You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Fantastic. Well, we're going to dive into the Word of God. We're talking about um, this year is a year of inheritance. I really believe God spoke to my spirit for the GGC Life. And obviously, God wants us all to walk in our inheritance. And we're going to explain what is our inheritance. But, the, but for us, in our season, for where the, where the church has been going for... 28 years in November, so we've been going for a while. We've planted two churches, we're, we're doing a lot of things, and God is wanting to bring us into our inheritance, even more so, in a big way. But when you think of the word inheritance, uh, it, it, it's a very, I, I look at it, it's very, uh, it's all encompassing of everything that God has for us, okay? So it's not just one aspect, it's everything that God has given us, really, it's who we are in Christ. It's our identity. That's a big part of our, our inheritance. Um, our inheritance also, we're going to dive into it. The Bible, there's heaps of scriptures. I went through every single scripture in the Bible about inheritance that was in the Strong's Concordance. Uh, and, and it actually gives us really strong, uh, ongoing scriptures. Many, many scriptures that say that God is our inheritance. So He Himself is our inheritance. The word inheritance can be explained as... Um, possession something you possess something that you're going to possess um, let me give you the definition of inheritance something that is or, that is or may be inherited property passing at the owner's death to the heir heir meaning the person that's receiving the son or the daughter um, or an entitled heir or an entitled person to succeed that person's property or ownership or to succeed legacy sometimes it's you take over a company because you're the heir um i like this one the genetic characteristics transmitted from parents to offspring so think about that just for a moment that i have inherited my mum and dad's genetic code you have too it's been passed on we've inherited half of mum and half of dad's and that's why we look the way we look because that's the way God created us. So even in Christ, we've inherited His characteristics. That's why we are what, who we are in Christ. Who He is, we are in this world. As He is, so are we to be in this world. If He's the head and we're the body, the body is connected to the head. So what the head has and what He has received in authority and position, we're actually there with Him. The problem with inheritance is if we don't know what we have, that's the problem. If someone is... You know, deposited $10 million in your bank account, but you didn't know it was deposited, you're not going to make use of it. Or if it's deposited, you don't have access. You don't have the PIN number. You don't have the security code. You know, you just don't have access. But it's there, and it's in your name, but you don't know how to have access. We need to know how to have access to our inheritance. It's been given to us. It's been deposited in our account. Now we've got to learn how do we, how do we have access to that inheritance? How do we activate our inheritance if it's ours? If it already belongs to you? We have to have some knowledge because without revelation knowledge, like if it belongs to me, how do I use what's mine? Well, first of all, I've got to know what's mine. If I don't know that it's mine, I'm not going to know it's, it's mine. If I don't know if it's in my account, I don't know how do, I have, how do I have access to it. So we have to know what is ours. I like the fact that you know, another um, definition is the act or fact of inheriting by succession. So we are Christ's successors. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He called us into adoption as sons. 
We are sons and daughters of the Most High God in the same way as Christ is. Did you know that? You know, the Bible never refers to Jesus in the New Testament, in the letters, as the only begotten Son of God. Why not? It refers to Jesus as the only begotten Son of God before His death. When, when, when the Bible refers to Jesus. But after his death, it talks to us about Jesus being the firstborn from the dead. Or the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn. If there's a firstborn, there's going to be a secondborn. And a thirdborn, fourthborn, 5,000 million born. I've got a firstborn, I've got a secondborn, I've got a thirdborn, and I've got a fourth and a fifthborn. <coughs> Jesus is the firstborn... <laughs> The firstborn, why doesn't it say the only begotten? Because there's more begotten. We are also born of God in the same way Jesus is born of God. God couldn't have done it any better than what he did. He's done a perfect adoption and a perfect uh, birth. We've been birthed into the kingdom through seed, God's seed. The word of God is the seed and fell into our heart being the right ground and it birthed our spirit that was dead. Brought it to life. The Holy Spirit came into our spirit, regenerated our dead spirit. With the Word of God, it brings us to life. And we are resurrected. Our dead spirit that was dead is now made alive. Isn't that good? Now we just got to renew our mind. Because our mind needs to catch up with what our spirit received. Amen. So there's many scriptures that talk about um, we, as a, we as a people of God are God's inheritance as well. So here's our inheritance. Many scriptures talk about that. But we as God's people, he refers to us as his inheritance, meaning we're his possession. We belong to him. It's a beautiful thing to know you belong to him. Other scriptures say uh, God will never forsake his inheritance. This is in the Bible. Imagine when I think about that, I would never forsake my children. He won't forsake you. But we have a choice in the matter, like the prodigal son who said, give me my inheritance. And so the father gave him his inheritance. He took the inheritance and went off to selfish living. Lived for himself with that inheritance. And you know the story is he went so bad and ran, up, ran out of all his money and people used him and his friends used him and he wasted all the, all the inheritance and then now he's at the bottom of, hasn't got a job, can't even eat, he's so hungry. As, even, as he's feeding the pigs, he's even eating the food that the pigs are eating. And he's thinking to himself, man, my ser- the servants, my father's servants have it better than this. So he came to himself And as my brother pointed out this morning, the son made a decision to run to the father first. I was saying the father runs to us. He does. But only when you run to him. And the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isn't it beautiful how Jesus tells those stories perfectly? When the the son makes a decision to run. That's why whenever you mess up, make a mistake or feel like you drifted, don't, don't run from God. Run to his arms. The moment you say, I'm running to you because you're merciful, you're gracious, you're loving, you're kind. As you run to God, God always runs to you. And as he runs to you, he restored the inheritance to that son straight away. He didn't say, why are you going to serve me for a few years and see if you're worthy and see if you earn it. He just gave him his sandals back. As a son, sons wore sandals, servants wore barefoot. And gave him the ring to sign in his name, checks, basically. And gave him the ring straight away. And said, let's chuck a party. Let's celebrate his back. But gave him his inheritance back. Isn't that God good? It's amazing. He's so loving. So gracious. We need to know our inheritance. You know, the scriptures that say that um, 
I think it was Manasseh and another tribe who said, we will not settle in our uh, land, even though they got it. We will cross the Jordan and we'll fight for all the other tribes until they get all their inheritance. So there's an element that you've got to fight for inheritance. The scriptures say that God gives us inheritance. And then he goes, okay, I give you the land. Go, it's all yours. But you have to go in and fight it. Fight for it. Well, hang on a sec, God. Did you give it to us or do we have to fight it for it? It's both. God gave us the inheritance, but you have to fight for your inheritance. It doesn't just come to you by itself. In, in a sense, if I can say it this way, the enemy wants to uh, deceive us and take our inheritance. He wants to steal the inheritance from us. He doesn't want you to know that you've got inheritance. He wants to take it away from you. And when you've got an inheritance coming to you, you get a little bit angry when you know that inheritance actually belongs to you. You get a bit frustrated. You get a bit, hang on a second, that's my inheritance. How dare you try to take it from me? There's got to be a righteous anger. When you understand the people that belong, the people that are lost and in darkness actually belong to God. God purchased them with his own blood. The blood of the son of the living God. Not with silver and gold he didn't purchase them, but with his own blood. They belong to God. They're God's inheritance. They belong to God. They belong to us in a sense that we go and save them. We go rescue them. And so Satan, you deceive them. They don't belong to you. They don't, you're not, they're not owned by you. They're owned by God. So we go and take those that are captive through deception. There's an element of you can't keep them bound. You can't keep them in darkness. You know, my mum and dad worked very, very hard. They were business people. They ran a milk run, a bread run, bread delivery. Uh, Mum was a seamstress. She, she babysat at home. and I mean, they paid off two homes in Sydney by the time we were teenagers by just working hard, sacrificing, put it away, and, and, and just paying off the homes. Worked their guts off, which as a kid you don't understand until you become an adult and then realise, wow, all the time they got up at 3.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and going to bed, like say 10 o'clock, and then getting up at 4, and sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And my dad died early. He died at 55, heart attack, and he was gone. Cut a long story short, my mum went into a relationship with a, a man, a gentleman. And they, I used to say to them, get married, just get married, just get married and all that. Rather get married. But they ended up living together. Cut a very long story short, he, and my mum ended up getting cancer, bone cancer. And he somehow convinced her to sell the house. Now, why would you need to sell the house when you're fighting for your life? Obviously, there's a motive behind there. Changed the power of attorney from her to him. And was actually trying to take the house that my mum and dad worked for all their life and everything else. And so when we found out, I, you know, you get a little bit, I was just asking questions. I actually wasn't getting angry, but I was asking questions. Said, what, what, mom, why would you need to sell the house? And so he was getting angry. He was a little bit drunk. And he got so angry, upset because I was questioning and asking. He lost it and punched me in the face. Thank God I didn't retaliate because, <laughs> you know, you want to. I'm Italian, I'm a Sicilian. Imagine, pastor bashes or bashes, knocks out, 67-year-old man. <laughs> Punches me right in the face, and I just, and the mum saw, opened up mum's eyes, and the mum left. We got the power of attorney. We had to get for solicitor and everything, and we saved the house. But you fight for what's yours. When you think dad and mum worked really hard, yet the enemy wants to steal. Without you knowing it, the enemy is trying his best to steal. If you don't walk in what's yours. What I've learned about the enemy is he tries to take what's yours and he, he tempts you. It's interesting how the enemy does this. He tempts you with temptation. In a sense, it's yours, but he tempts you with that very thing that's already yours. Yeah. I, I explain what I mean. 
Because it's really us playing God. It's us. The devil tempts us with us providing for ourselves, us being the God of our life. So, for example, Jesus, you know, when he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, and the devil came to him, and he says, if you bow down and worship me, this is what Satan said to Jesus, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the beauty and the power and the splendor and the glory of them. Jesus saw them. He saw Rome in all its glory and wealth. When I say glory, I think of wealth, you know, in that stuff. He would have seen Colossia. He would have seen Ephesus. He would have seen all the kingdoms back then. And Satan says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world because they were given to me. When were they given to him? Adam gave it over to him back in the fall in Genesis. Adam gave it to Satan through deception. So Satan had him to give it to them. Now, you've got to think about this. Satan's tempting Jesus with something that's actually rightfully his. But he has to get it God's way. He has to get it God's way. In other words, if Jesus continues to obey the Father, which he did, and go to the cross, pay the penalty on the cross for our sins, and die and get resurrected, sit at the right hand of the Father, everything's his. He received that inheritance that Satan was trying to say, I'll give you the inheritance shortcut. It's easy. Just do this and I'll give it to you. It was a temptation. The Bible says it was a temptation. But Jesus never fell for it. Because he knew, that's already, that's already mine. I'm getting it God's way. I'm get because there's a reality of identity and I know who I am. I'm gonna get that, but I'm just gonna get it God's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? He could have bowed. If he bowed, imagine the consequences. I, I always try to imagine with my mind. If he just humbled, he just said, okay, I'm gonna. And if he bowed, he would have sinned. If he sinned, he would have lost everything. The very thing he was trying to get from Satan, he would have lost it. Because Satan would have possessed those kingdoms through Jesus. Because now he's fallen man in sin. Adam and Eve is just another perfect example. Adam and Eve walking in the very presence of God, made in his image, made in his likeness, without sin. Satan comes to him, them and says, if you eat this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat it, you'll be like God. Hang on a sec. He's getting, they're getting tempted with something that actually is theirs. They are already like God. They're made in God's image and God's likeness. God said that. God breathed into them the breath of life. They're made in God's image without sin. If you touch of it, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. And so they got tempted. And, and they should have had the knowledge and the awareness and, and to say, no, we, don't, we already are like God. We don't need that. But Satan twisted. And through deception, they accepted. And when they accepted, they sinned. And they sinned. They gave the authority over to Satan and the devil now is the God of this world. Small g, but the devil's the God of this world through possessing people's life. In other words, Satan, in a sense, is the Lord of people that don't know Christ. Does that make sense? The Lord. How do we re-inherit what's ours? When you bow the knee to Jesus as Lord, because he actually owns everything. Because he did it the right way. He's at the right hand of the Father, waiting for all his enemies to be put under his feet. So when we bow the knee to Jesus, everything I am, absolutely everything, everything I own belongs to him. And that's how he inherits the earth. I hope you know what I'm, I'm trying to get at. For example, I heard a story of a very, very wealthy man. It was a good friend of my friend. He told the story. And he says, um, this guy says, can you tell me the will of God for me? 
Like he's wealthy. I'm talking about millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he goes, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? He kept thinking, does he, when I write a check, how much money? What should I sell? What should I give? You know, he was just kept thinking he has to do something to give to God, to, to hear God's voice. What's the will of God for me? And this man said, God doesn't want your stuff. All he wants is your heart. It's true. And if God gets your heart, really gets your heart, he's got your stuff anyway. He doesn't need your stuff. He just wants your heart. He's in love with you. He wants you. But then when he's got you, we submit everything we've got for his glory, for his kingdom, for his purpose. Isn't that beautiful? It's just the way it works. And that's how we inherit or re-inherit what belongs to God. When you understand that we are joint heirs with Christ. The scriptures say that. Joint heirs. What Christ has, we have. And other scriptures say we are found in Galatians chapter 4. If you want to read it for yourself for homework. The whole context is saying, under the law, we were like little babies. And even though a baby, a child, like a little baby, one year old, even though he's the son of the owner, the father owns everything, like the son of the Lord that owns everything. Even though he's Lord of all or master of everything, he is treated like a servant because he's a baby. But when he grows up and becomes an adult, when it's the fullness of time of the father to give him the inheritance, that little baby, even though he owns everything really, just like Lydia thought she owned the, the, the bunk bed, you know? And I go to my daughter too, I go into her room, you know, you know, I, this is all mine? Goes, no, it's mine. It's mine. It's ownership. And you, they want, you want them to have that because what's ours is theirs. I always teach her that. What's mine is yours. To the children, everything we own is yours. Everything we have is going to be yours. <coughs> That's inheritance, isn't it? But someone has to die before you get the inheritance. That's what Hebrews says. A testament is not, you know, in, in Hebrews, it tells us, I'll read it to you. Just in case you go, where are you getting all these scriptures from, Leo? It's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16. For where a testament is, there must be also a necessity be the death of the testator. A testament is a will. A new testament is the new will. The Old Testament was the old will. So God, being God, became a man. God, fully God, fully man, made a covenant with humanity. And he makes a will. The person who made the will has to die before the will is in place, before you can inherit what he is willing to us. So Jesus was the one who made the will, made the covenant with man, but he dies. So when did we inherit everything he had, he's inherited? When he died. Not when you die. Most of the church world thought when we die, we inherit everything. Yeah, when we die, we're going to walk in the fullness. Our bodies received a, a, the, the, the glorified body. That's what, that's what we are waiting. Adoptions of the resurrection of our body. But our spirit has everything. Our spirit receives the inheritance of Christ in us now. That's why we can do the works of Jesus now. Or else, why did Jesus waste his words? The works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to the Father. While you're alive, Jesus is saying, the church is going to do greater works than me. I'm going to believe every scripture in the Bible. I'm going to believe it even if the church world doesn't believe it. And it does. Don't get me wrong. I believe a lot of church people right now around the world are rising up and growing up to who they are in Christ. But in the 80s, no, not many people spoke about who we are in Christ. Now everyone's talking about our identity and who we are in Christ. Amen? We're learning. We're growing. We're maturing. The church worldwide is coming into, I believe, and an awakening like we've never seen before. 
So Jesus already died. He already paid the penalty. So now all that he owns, everything he has, everything he is, is actually ours. That's why even when we're talking about Jesus, uh, God is our inheritance. The first thing we have as inheritance is God. So how does that happen? There's many scriptures that talk about inheritance. It's a promise. If the, if the inheritance came by the law, it would not be made by a promise. But the inheritance came by promise to Abraham. It's in Galatians. By promise means God made a promise and we just believe it. Law speaks of if you're good enough, if you work, if you become good enough. Good works, good works, good works. When you're good enough, how good do you have to be to earn it? Oh, 100% good. You can't rely on your goodness to earn inheritance. You receive it by a promise. God made a promise to Christ, but we're his seed. As his seed, we inherit what he was promised. We're heirs of God. That's what the end of Galatians 4 talks about. Heirs of, uh, join heirs with Christ, heirs of God. And we walk in the fullness of it in heaven. It doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop when you die. Like in First Peter, it says we have an incorruptible and a, a, it's unfadeable. That's the word when you look at it. It doesn't fade away. It's perpetual inheritance laid up for you in heaven. Our inheritance is in heaven forever. It, you, never, you will never get to the end of it. I'm telling you, that's good news. I'll tell you why the world... Many people are suffering with depression. Most, this is one of, the, one of the reasons. Not the only reason, one of the reasons. If we're temporary, temporary minded, everything's for the here and now. Right here, right now. I don't have right here, right now what I want. And they forget about eternity. The Word of God teaches us believers to think with eternity in mind. Your life is like a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Bang. My 50 years, whew, another 50 years. So we've got to live for eternity. When I think of eternity, joy wells up in me. Joy. People don't have that anymore. Everything I do here on earth right now, the Bible says, will be rewarded. Everything. Jesus said. So have eternity in mind what we do. We're here to please one. That's God. Here to please the Father. So if this is all given to us, I've got to know about it so I can access it. The enemy, the devil... You know, there's a parable where Jesus uses as a parable. Um, he, he talks about, there was an owner. Let me just quickly, it's found in Mark chapter 12, verse 7. It's in this, I'm reading it from the old King James, but it says, But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and inheritance shall be ours. Now, that's the end of the story. But this is what Jesus says, the story goes. There was a person who owned land, and he planted an, a vineyard. That means grapes to make some wine. Some vino, right? But he, he owned all these grapes and he put, husbandman means he put a servant there to take care of it, like a hirer. He hired some people to take care of his vineyard. Who, who, who owns it? He does. It's his land, it's his vineyard, he planted it. Now he's put workers there to take care of it. He goes away on a journey. And when he's far away, when the harvest was come, he sends a delegate, like he sends someone to say, can I have my harvest? Can I have my it's now producing a harvest of grapes. Can I have some? And you know what they did? They bashed the delegate. They bashed him. So he sends another one and they killed him. And he sends another one. And the Bible says he sent many, many, many um, delegates and many servants. Jesus is referring to the prophets in the old covenant. God the Father would send them to Israel and they would get persecuted. They would get killed. So the Father, this is what Jesus says. So the owner of the vineyard says, I'll send my son. They'll reverence him, surely. 
and they'll get what's mine. And so when, they, when the son comes, Jesus says they bashed him. You know why? They said, this is their son. If we kill him, we get the inheritance. See how the enemy thinks? If we kill the son, we get to the inheritance. And Jesus was the son they killed. And they actually knew that they were referring to their Pharisees. The, Pharisees said, the Bible says the Pharisees knew that Jesus was referring to them, that we're the ones that are trying to kill the very son. Now, what I learned out of that is the enemies trying to kill, can't kill the son of God, us sons and daughters of God, because we're sons and daughters of God. But what he tries to kill is the revelation of you being sons and daughters of God. He's trying to deceive you to not believe that you are truly sons and daughters of God. He can't kill sons and daughters of God if they know the authority, the glory, the power, the, the resurrection that's inside of them. How can God get to light? How can the enemy, sorry, get to light? How can darkness penetrate light when you know the light that's in you? Darkness has no effect on light. So he tries his best to kill the revelation of you being a son and a daughter of God. That's why he tempts you with things that you already have. You already own it. But if I say yes to that temptation, I'm saying to God, I can't wait for your timing. I will make it happen in my own strength. Every time we... Do things in our own power, our own strength. We're saying, God, I can't wait. I don't trust your goodness, your grace, your love. I know you've got provision for me, but I'm going to make this happen. That's when we sin. So wait for God's timing. Jesus did with the temptation of the kingdoms of the world. They were actually his. And the enemy was trying to say, bow down, I'll give it to you. He would have lost it. It was a lie. He actually would have lost it. Satan's lying to us. So we've got to know who we are. And the only way I think we can access it is by faith. You step out into what God says is yours. So I've never, I, I don't know about healing power. Well, have you ever prayed for anybody? Pray for someone that's sick. And, and what I've done over the many, many, many years, is I pray for people so many times they, they weren't healed. But I'm not going to make my theology become, okay, I pray for people that didn't get healed. That means it doesn't work. My theology has to come from the word. I don't, might not know why they didn't get healed. I'm still learning. I'm a baby Christian. I'm trying to flow with God, trying to hear God. And I'm just giving it a go. And I'm, and, but better to try, better to give it a go, better to step out and act on the word. But keep doing it until you start. And I started seeing people get healed. Healed here and healed there. And some powerful healing, some miracles, some wow. Sometimes I pray for people, leave the country and come back a whole year later. And one lady goes, oh, no, you know, one time I was going to have an operation on my tooth or something or gum. And, and when you pray for me, I got healed. I didn't have to have an operation. I said, oh, wow. I didn't, know, I didn't have a clue that happened. It happens a lot of times. When you pray for them, you walk away. I mean, when we went to India, we prayed for a lady who had a big lump like this. I mean, solid lump outside her body. Prayed for her. I didn't see it go down you know, physically right there in front of my eyes. That would be called a miracle. But when we come here four months later, the pastor that's overseeing that lady said that she was totally healed. A few days later, it went down and it went down to nothing. But I didn't know that until four months later. So you start to hear miracles. You start to see miracles. You start to, but you step out and exercise by faith what's been deposited. But you've got to know that it's yours. That's why we've got to get in the Word, get to know what it belongs to us. And then when I think about the year of inheritance, I think of everything. I think of souls. People are God's inheritance. So we're going to see souls come into the kingdom like never before. Miracles, healings, us walking in who we are in Christ. Him being our inheritance, being in love with Jesus and Him in love with us and walking in that. 
Um, inheritance, the Bible says the we are heirs of God, but it also says the meek, the humble, shall inherit the earth. You're the meek. You're the humble. You inherit the earth. Everything, that, everything that's God's actually is ours. But you've got to get that revelation. It actually belongs to us. One day when I was a young baby Christian learning about inheritance and meditating on it, and I was walking in the, the, the foothills, which were farmland of Peckenham, which is suburbs now in, in Melbourne. I was living on a farm with my friend, and I was going for a walk, and I was looking at the looking at the hills and beautiful, it's magnificent, so beautiful that God created all that. And God says to me, Leo, that's all yours. Wow, just, just, just infatuated with God, loving it. And, and I felt God, I said, God, I give you everything that's mine. I, I can't explain it any other way. When I said to God, I give you everything that's mine, everything that's mine, I give it at your disposal, your use, your purpose. As I said that, I felt faith rise up to receive and believe that everything that's his is now mine at my disposal, when I need it. That's how it works. Not for my selfishness, but at my disposal, when I need it. And when I released all that was mine, and you've got to do that daily. Like I, that was 30 years ago. So it's not like something, I don't, I'm not saying I've lived that perfectly. I have not. But I know when I came home, I said to my brother and my sister, we lived together in the same room, and I said, look, Tony, everything I own here, all the clothes that I've got, just use it. Don't have to ask me. If you get to it before me, don't have to ask for permission. Just use it. That was hard for me. I was a fashion designer. It was hard, but I said, no, nah, just give it. You know, I said to my sister, anything you want to use, if you haven't used it. And we do that with our vehicles, do that with our cars, do that. You know, we, we do our best to say, God, it's yours to use it for your kingdom. And the, the more you let go, say it's for your will and purpose, the more he trusts you. I can't explain it any other way. He actually trusts you with his wealth. Because I know it all belongs to him, but, but you can't take someone else's car. You can't take someone else's house, can you? Because in the natural, people possess it. True? They own it. They've got written paper for it, and you'll get thrown in jail if you try to. But what I'm trying to say is when they come to Christ and bow the knee to Jesus, every, when they really bow the knee to Jesus as Lord, everything they own becomes God's. And that's how we inherit the earth. How are we going to buy a $5 million building, a $6 million building, $10 million? I don't know what's going to cost in Sydney. How are we going to buy it? It's a year of inheritance. Everything belongs to him. And we don't have the attitude, oh God, if I win $20 million, I will tithe. Now you tithe with the $100 you get now. Be faithful in the little things because it's hard to tithe big amounts of money. You say, oh, if I, honey, if I had 20 minutes, easy. Nah, you'll be surprised. You'll delegate it to every single person and then go, oh, oh, oh what can I do with this? Wow. You say, God, everything that's mine is yours. It's truly yours. Amen? That's how we walk in our inheritance. I, I, I hope it's made sense because I, I was trying to say there's occupants in the land. Those occupants are people that don't know Christ. We don't dispossess like the Old Testament, but we dispossess with the gospel of love. The gospel, the good news makes them bow to the knee and we're fighting for God's inheritance. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Let's pray. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.